The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Friday edition of the Leach Report. Hopefully you are staying safe in this awful, awful weather uh, that we have all across Kentucky. And uh, maybe playing havoc with our technical setup because uh, that's why it sounds a little different. We're having to uh, come to you over the phone right now. So we're working on uh, getting that fixed. Uh, Coming up on the show today... We've got uh, an interview recorded yesterday with Chris Stewart, the radio play-by-play voice for Alabama. Uh, Brandon Ramsey from KSR. We'll talk about his latest breakdown of the tape from the Kentucky win over Vandy. And Mike DeCourcy will join us for the second half of the show, as he does on Fridays. As we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in icy, snowy Lexington. Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. It's Kentucky and Alabama tomorrow. Looks like the Cats are going to be able to uh, get out and as scheduled, and the game will uh, be played tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa with Kentucky facing a team that uh, took two last year. Bama swept Kentucky for the first time since 1989 last season. Bama has been up and down. <laughs> Excuse me, this year they have beaten three of the teams that played the Final Four last year: Gonzaga, Houston, and Baylor. Uh, the Baylor win was the most recent one last weekend in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But then they've lost to two of the worst teams in the SEC in Missouri and Georgia in recent weeks. Uh, Alabama, we know, lives and dies by the three. They're only making 23 or 28% of their threes in SEC play, and that makes up about 47% of the shots that they take. Uh, Bama, it's all about threes or shots at the rim for them, so they're looking to drive, so they get fouled a lot. And at home, they're averaging 25 free throw attempts per game in SEC play. The opponent's 15.5. So, you know, foul issues and getting on the line too much is something to uh, track tomorrow in this game. They're also number one in offensive uh, rebounding at conference play, getting about 15 points a game off second-chance points. However, uh, they typically do that by sending everybody to the class. They, they play uh, a smaller lineup uh, traditionally, so... They're crashing the glass. If Kentucky can rebound the way it normally does on the defensive glass, it could mean good, good chance for Kentucky to get out in transition. So uh, that's something else to uh, watch as this one unfolds tomorrow. But on the flip side, with Alabama attacking the rim when they're not shooting threes, Kentucky doesn't block a lot of shots. They blocked 14 in two games against Alabama last season. Uh, Kentucky uh, didn't block any, for instance, against Kansas uh, last weekend. So this is a, not a shot-blocking team. We'll get into some of the, the defensive uh, stuff with Brandon Ramsey. He's got a, a really good breakdown on how Kentucky's defensive effort has improved of late. We'll uh, talk about that and what they'll need to do against Alabama tomorrow. It's an 8 o'clock Eastern time tip down in Tuscaloosa for Kentucky and Alabama. So uh, we'll talk about all of that as we move through the show today with our lineup of guests. Uh, Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. 
no place better to dial up a Valentine's Day dinner than Giuseppe's if they still have reservations available. It's a wonderful place to go to celebrate a special occasion, a birthday, an anniversary, a special holiday. Take us up on this suggestion and walk, work with Giuseppe's. Give them a call or go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com. You will absolutely love the food and the atmosphere with live jazz music to accompany your meal every evening at Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll be right back on The Leach Report. It's The Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Friday edition of the Leach Report as the Cats get set to travel to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama for the first of two games in two weeks. Two weeks later, the Tide will be up here in Lexington. Chris Stewart joins us. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, I guess first of all, the weather in Alabama is in the 50s, I think I saw, right? (laughs) Correct. It's going to dip all the way down to the 40s, though. Oh, my goodness. All the way to the 40s. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk a little bit about the the game Tuesday night for Bama. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of of it, jumping back between the Louisville, Carolina, and Texas, Texas Tech. Um, And I know Bama got down uh, big in the first half, but then I came back to the game, and I believe I saw they tied it up uh, early in the second half, right? Close made it a two-point game. Had it had it had it to two didn't quite tie up but we yeah, it was crazy we're down down I think eighteen late first half got it to nine or got it to fourteen at the break then uh, then cut it to as few as two by the under sixteen or somewhere in that area but you look up and it's seven and now it's the under eight timeout and you're back down to fourteen again and then floodgates had opened and it it got up to twenty two I mean you've been there you know they've done a great job with their at, their atmosphere and environment and oh by the way the players that some spectacular wins uh, over the likes of uh, Gonzaga and Houston and then a couple of fairly recent head-scratching losses to Missouri and Georgia. So what's the uh, reason for the Jekyll and Hyde? Uh, That's a great question. I I think that in addition to some great talent, Bama lost some great leaders off of last year's team. I mean, you know, the player of the year is one thing and Herb Jones and defensive player of the year, but what where he may have been most valuable was his leadership. And and while you've got, you know, you don't have any problem, kids. It's not that. It's just that you don't have the uh, enough of the guys who could take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and say this is the way it's going to be done among the players. you got a coach that does that, but you know, Tom, it's, it carries more weight when it's within your locker room, uh, regardless of the sport. And so... Uh, Alabama has not had that at the level they need it to be and, and haven't been as consistent in in the things that allow you to win night in and night out, other than the Auburn game. And I think a 13-point loss when Memphis may have played its best game of the year. Bama's, Bama's losses have been one or two possession games by and large, even the ones that are, like you said, are the absolute head-scratchers. But Missouri has proven on the nights that they're really locked in and able to lock you down. They can be very competitive. They almost got Auburn. Uh, Georgia has athletes. They have players. They just don't string it for 40 minutes. And when they implode, they really implode. Well, they never imploded against Alabama. And so, you know, got us at a time when they absolutely had to have it. And Bama 
uh, probably, despite NATO's insistence to the players that they don't, probably had their eye, or at least one eye, towards the Baylor game. So, um, yeah, those are tough. Those are the ones you'd like to have back. And, you know, the loss to Rick Pitino's team did not look good, Iona, early on, because people assume you're you're just going to beat Iona. But, again, that's Rick Pitino's squad. So, you know, they'll be prepped. Davidson was a, a tough uh, loss in Birmingham when they were a last-minute replacement for that game. But they're, they're head-scratchers. You're right. Georgia and Mizzou are the two that really were aggravating and frustrating and disappointment and would make you look completely differently, I think, at this team in the season right now if they were there. That all being said, uh, I think the, the polls, specifically the AP poll, Tom, and you tell me if you feel differently, but I think, I think the AP looks at who have you lost to. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee historically always seems to look at who have you beat. Good point. And that's why I think as of today, Alabama's in a great spot and not just firmly in the field, but in a high, fairly high seat relative to, to those losses we talked about. Certainly held in higher regard than maybe the, the polls might hold Alabama at the moment. So they're in a good spot. It, it would be a tall order to get this one against the Cats this weekend, but Hopefully that'll be the case because they have been very, very good at home. Looking at uh, Ken Palm from last season, uh, KenPalm.com that measures the efficiency, and for all of the talk about and uh, you know justified how you know impressive Bama was offensively last season, shooting the threes and um, different approach to the game, etc. They were I'd forgotten how high they were ranked third, finished third in the nation in defensive efficiency. Uh, not up to yeah. that level with this team. Is that primarily a factor of a guy like Jones? Uh, it, it's absolutely where it starts. But, you know, three guys in particular that that I point to as, as pieces that you, you really are missing. Uh, Herb is a defender and a guy who's so versatile. He literally plays at different times spots one, two, three, four, and five on the floor for you. John Petty, who was the all-time three-point shooter in school history. And then Josh Primo was another versatile, uh, young but talented guard who uh, could do some different things for you. And Primo's had a start for San Antonio in the NBA, the number 12 overall draft pick last year. Petty is, is playing pro ball for the G League, New Orleans G League team in Birmingham. And Herb Jones is going to make the all-rookie team and is getting every night starts in New Orleans as a second-round draft pick. Those three guys were also 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", and were tremendous rebounders, something that is very much missing on a night-in, night-out basis from this Alabama team. So while you miss shooting, you miss leadership, you miss size and rebounding that is very tough to replace, and especially from guys who could give you as much as that trio could on the offensive end. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere, I'm sure, with what Coach Oates has created there. Just looking the last two years, they've lost twice at home. Auburn got them by four, and I think Western got them by two last year early, right? Yeah, I think that's correct. It, uh, I know those are two that definitely stand out. There may have been another one somewhere in the mix, but I don't recall there, there being another. Played really well, and you're right. Crowds have been consistent and, and vocal and supportive. And uh, you know you've been there. Uh, the configuration is somewhat different. It's not memorial different, but it's 
it's a it's a little different, and the bad seats are are not very good at Coleman, but the majority are pretty good seats, and it's a loud building. Uh, they're vocal. They show up in large numbers, and it it's when the home team is good, the crowd is great, and that's that's what we've been able to enjoy. And they've played a factor. I think they've helped certainly against Baylor and uh, in a number of other games. And I'll be shocked if if uh, they're not prominent at least early on against Kentucky and, and the team's performance. I think will will go a long way towards determining how much of an impact they have as the game wears on. Chris Stewart, radio play-by-play voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We taped that with him yesterday as uh, he has his own morning show down in Bama. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Four past the top of the hour, so we welcome in Brandon Ramsey from KentuckySportsRadio.com. Uh, does some great breakdowns of the tape after a Kentucky game. And, Brandon, if you look at uh, an analytic like Ken Palm, Kentucky's top five in the country in offensive efficiency. But So that would suggest that the more they can improve on the defensive end, the, the more of a uh, championship contender they can become. Your latest post uh, at uh, KSR talks about some significant defensive improvement that you saw in this Vandy game. Yeah, I, I think that in a lot of ways, Kentucky is starting to to win some games, actually on the defensive end as much as they are offensively. I mean, you, you see that with only giving up 62 points to Kansas. You see that against Vanderbilt when, you know, when you're looking just kind of at the box score, Kentucky didn't play all that well offensively. You, know, you don't even shoot 40% from the field. You get literally nothing at least in terms of scoring, and from Severe Wheeler, you get limited minutes from Ty Ty Washington, um, not as much even offensively from Oscar Sheepway as you normally get. And, and the defense really stepped up, and there's a lot of things that they're doing just in terms of a kind of a team defensive concept. And I talked about in the article with the, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts, and I think that's a great um, kind of a great descriptor for, for this Kentucky team defensively. Yeah, and, and it has to be because they don't have the shot blocking presence that Calipari's teams typically have to to bail out a defender out on the perimeter, right? Right. Yeah, we're having to do it differently than than some of the great coach Calipari teams in the past, where, like you said, it it was a lot with rim protection, and you could kind of you would get out there and really be aggressive on the on the perimeter, go for some steals, really pressure the ball because you knew you had somebody. At the rim, who's going to block everything, whether that be, you know, even an Earl Noel or certainly Anthony Davis, Willie Cauley Stein, guys like that. And while Oscar has continued to get better and his shot blocking numbers aren't, aren't terrible, he's certainly not those guys by any means. And, and, and Kentucky's doing it with some really, really good off ball defense. They're really um, making teams play further out on the perimeter. Um, in a lot of ways, Kentucky's defense this year is making teams run offense like Kentucky's offense had to run last year, if you can kind of follow all of that with just with, with teams having to play outside of the scoring area, um, and, and we're making it really hard for other teams to get into their offense. 
Kentucky um, two weeks ago got eaten alive by the pick and roll down at Auburn, but uh, you've, uh, in the latest game, uh, note that Oscar's really uh, growing in that area, defending that play. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been fun to, throughout the season. I feel like you and I have talked about this before with some of his offensive steps that he's taken in terms of just having some small post moves, things like that. And now we're seeing some of that same progression on the defensive end, and that's that's where you really start to just think, you know, what what is the limit with this guy just in terms of how much better not only he's been from what we might have expected, but just game to game the improvements that he's making. And, yeah, he's, I, I had a post after that Auburn game kind of breaking down his deficiencies in the pick and roll and, and on the defensive end and how a lot of what Kentucky gave up to Walker Kessler at the rim was due to Oscar being too high trying to guard the ball screen. And he made some excellent plays against Vanderbilt where he was getting steals when they tried to throw it to the roll guy or he was staying between Scottie Pippen Jr. in the basket and making him shoot contested twos. And, you know, that, that was just, you know, not even two full weeks ago that he was a problem defensively against Auburn. And then he was a big reason why Kentucky was so good defensively against Vanderbilt. That's just really encouraging to see that progress. About a minute and a half here left before we have to break. Kentucky last season um, blocked 14 shots in the two games against Alabama. Bama likes to attack the rim when they don't shoot threes. So uh, without the shot-blocking component that uh, they normally have, what's the defensive challenge for Kentucky tomorrow night? I think the challenge is going to be how how well some of that pressure on the perimeter is able to pan out. You know, I was talking about, I mentioned making teams play outside of the scoring area. Well, the scoring area is a lot bigger for Alabama because they can you know, the, they can catch it at 28 feet and score from there. And then also when you're away from the basket, I heard you, you already talking about it, like the, they get fouled a lot. They can drive it to the basket. And when we're having to guard them 26, 20 feet from the basket, that's going to open up some of those things. So there, there will be a lot of um, a lot of hard parts with, with guarding them, but I think that our off-ball pressure defense, especially on the perimeter, will give us a chance. Brandon Ramsey, you can uh, read the latest breakdown at uh, KentuckySportsRadio.com on the Vandy tape and uh, subsequent games coming up, and you'll join us from time to time here on the Leach Report. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Talk soon. Coming up in the second half of the show, we'll uh, chat with Mike DeCourcy, the sporting news about uh, Kentucky basketball and the national scene last night. Number 7 Arizona beat the visiting UCLA Bruins, ranked third, 76-66. to UCLA just had a double-digit win uh, over Arizona when they played at Pauley a week or so ago. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's all across the bluegrass, including the new Main Street Market, downtown Lexington, right across from the Rupp Arena Project. Uh, Mike DeCourcy is with us from SportingNews.com, at TSN Mike on Twitter. You see him on the Big Ten Network, and you see his brackets on the Fox Sports College basketball coverage. A new one uh, comes out later today, right? Yes, uh, early this afternoon it should be out, yes. Uh, 
We talked about uh, you know Kentucky and uh, they would need to win at Kansas to have a shot at the at any one seed to have a chance to get it, and they took care of business at Kansas. So, how much did that increase their chances? It, it increased them significantly. Interestingly, it didn't move their seed line at all uh, because they still need to put some beef behind that to to climb to two and one, and also they also need a little bit of help. Uh, and and it more than likely will happen. Duke and Kansas and Wisconsin, Arizona, UCLA, those are the other current contenders for twos. Providence, don't know what's going to happen there. That's going to be a really weird deal. I mean, they're 19-2, and two and they're leading the Big East Conference right now, but they're 50th in Ken Palm. And that holds back some of the – some certain people. I'm sure it will hold back certain people on the committee – from having a high opinion of them. It, usually what happens when you have a team that is that out of balance, if, if the metrics are true, uh, you know, if, they, if, they're, if, they, if, they're, if they're telling you what you think they're telling you, then eventually Providence should find, you know, should find a, a, a tough stretch and, and drop some games. But it hasn't happened. But that, that's, that's, that's a team that... It, I'll be very curious to see what works out in February for them. But in the Wildcats' case, the metrics are the exact opposite of Providence in the sense that they're very high. I think they're fourth in Ken Palm now right around there. And they just they just haven't had the opportunities that some other teams have had, the, the COVID pauses of various different circumstances. And then, of course, the, the, the great opportunities they had to get road wins at Auburn and LSU that were compromised by injury – so they have to take advantage of situations like tomorrow, uh, an Alabama team that is very difficult to beat at home. Uh, it's not super high on the bracket, but I, there's a there's a great deal of respect for them because of the teams that they have beaten. Uh, they they have a tendency to to lose games they shouldn't, so to speak. Uh, but Kentucky is the kind of team they've played really well for the most part. And especially when they're at home, so I think it's a great challenge for the Wildcats and another terrific opportunity for them. Looking to tomorrow's game, I uh, was starting to, to do some uh, prep work yesterday. That uh, Alabama last season, I, uh, I knew they were good defensively, well regarded, but they were like third and finished third in the nation in in uh, defensive efficiency last season. Uh, this season, they are uh, nowhere. Near that level, uh, they're like here seventy seventh right now, top ten in offense, but seventy seventh in defense. So, and, and they've uh, not shot the three ball as well, certainly of late, and so they don't have the defense to lean back on the way they did last year. Right, and, and I think that comes down to personnel more than anything. Mm-hmm. Their, their better players now are are guards, not all of them small, but none of them. Yeah, they don't have any six, seven, six, eight guys out there playing. I mean, Jamario Davidson is a nice sized guard, but uh, but he's a guard, and they don't have what they had with Herbert Jones, who was such a great two way player, or John Petty, who's six five or so with great length and really added some bite to their defense. They don't. They're they're much a uh, much smaller team than they were a year ago, and so it, it they can't get they don't create as much traffic. With that, you know, with their size and length as they could with the group they had last year. And so they really are very dependent on an offense that runs a little hot and cold. 
but that is able to they they push the pace really well on teams. Uh, they're one of the they're one of the quickest teams in the country in terms of possessions. I don't know that that favors them against the Wildcats. I don't know that there's a team better uh, at at playing in an open floor game because of Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. I don't know there's a team that's better at playing at pace than the Wildcats. So I, one thing for sure uh, is that tomorrow's game should be entertaining. It, yes, it, it will not be a slog. No, it, it, for every. Kentucky fan who endured the Vandy game on Wednesday night, <laughs> they get rewarded with this one. Yes, yes, the Vandy game was interesting. Uh, what, what uh, you know, some of the, some of the tactics that uh, that Villanova was using on uh, on Oscar and and trying to you know frustrate him and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, as long as it's not dangerous, I I can't have a problem with it. Uh, but it it does make it difficult for uh, for the players to enjoy it, and and obviously for the fans as well because it's so much a disruptive game. I can kind of segue into a little uh, officiating talk on this and get on it up because I, I've been fairness to the officials when the game the tone is set that way. I, I suspect it makes it a harder game to call because if you call every foul, you'll be there all night, right? Um, and uh, so that makes it a little challenging. It does. And that was the, you know, that was the old uh, John Thompson approach. Um, commit so many fouls they can't call them all. Uh, especially uh, with his uh, late eighties, early nineties teams. After he ran out of, uh, uh, before he got Alonzo Mourning, uh, and after uh, Patrick Ewing was gone, they they did that a lot. And and that was that was uh, a lot of what Rick did in Louisville as well. Uh, that uh, they would play that way, that they would play the, and again, there it, it, it was none of it wasn't dirty. It just was aggressive. It was I'm I'm going to you know go at your arms and try you know I'm going to go for the ball, but I, whether I go through you is not a problem. And, I always uh, said that version of Big East basketball was like lunchtime at the Y. Everybody fouls and nobody can shoot. <laughs> there were you know that, that was when I was in Pittsburgh and I covered a lot of that. Uh, and and they they were very good at, at both of those things. Uh, yes. uh, that it 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 was you know there were times when it was hard to watch so to speak, but uh, you know I I think that 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 approach does make it very difficult for officials. There's no question because it really is it, it's impossible at, at a certain point to call every foul uh, because you it would make the game too long and 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 truthfully. Even though sometimes, even though it's their team uh, being fouled and the calls are going their way, sometimes fans get restless just with the constant stopping. Oh yeah, between uh, foul calls and, and uh, replay stoppages, uh, it'll drive you crazy as a fan. Sometimes, being a replays, I was watching the U of L Carolina game the other night, and uh, they went to the monitor uh, once they're late and. Uh, Seemed like they were there a half hour. It's it, it is <laughs> ridiculous, but um, that was a. I, I, I thought that was a very poorly officiated game, and I, I you know, I was uh, you know an objective observer there. But it, you know, UL fans are obviously clamoring for some kind of you know somebody to from in power to say you were wronged, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. But should there be something more public in terms of you know a uh, response on a, something like that? I've always felt that the officials, you know, if you're if we're, if with such an important 
part of the game. Their job is so essential. I, I don't think that it's wrong to have accountability for them. And, and I, so whether that is uh, having more interaction with the media, it's it, it not necessarily, uh, uh, not necessarily um, in, in the sense of like they have to sit, sit up there in a press conference or whatever, but uh, I think that more, uh, more response to why things were called a certain way, usually right now with the way it is, and, and it, I, I, it obviously varies from conference to conference, but when you get in the NCAA tournament, it's pretty much ironclad. And, and what it is is you can go, you can get a pool reporter to ask about various rule interpretations and that sort of thing, or like if there's a technical foul, uh, what, what led to it. But there's not much opportunity to really understand why things were called a certain way, and I'm not sure that that would necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, the uh, there's a, the former head of officials John Adams uh, is a buddy of Oscar Combs and so uh, Oscar engages John on a lot of uh, Kentucky games he'll watch the game you know as fans and uh, on Twitter engage you know and, ex- and it's uh, I think for fans it's it can be you know it's very enlightening and you know you get uh, some some insight into why this call was made and actually it was the right call or but he'll also tell you when it wasn't. And, you know, he's yeah. retired now, so he's uh, not having to, to worry about, uh, you know, keeping a job or anything. And so he's, it's a very, you know, candid uh, discussion with fans. And uh, I think somebody on a network could uh, make a good decision by having somebody like that that very candidly, you know, just kind of explains it. Because a lot of times I, I think it would back up the officials probably more often than not. Yeah, you know, CBS now uh, with with – Gene Steratore, um, who uh, is from yeah, my neck of the woods, back in, front, in uh, the Final Four, I've, I've seen him. Yeah, exactly. They they use him a lot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he also, you know, he was a, a rare person in terms of he was an NFL official and a, a college basketball official at the highest level. Yeah, and so they use him when you get into the bigger games. But uh, you know, we we're, we're to the we're the point now where we just ended football season, so he obviously was uh, busy with that. Uh, I, they, I don't think they're going to put him on too many regular season games, but when we get to March, it's something that you do have, and it is a, it is an asset. To, Gene's very good. He's very uh, he does a nice job explaining things. He he does very well. Mike, of course, he's with us. We'll take a break. Come back and continue in just a moment. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You'll find them in Hamburg and in Palomar. And once all this ice and snow melts, and you want to get out of your house. Not the wild eggs for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Back with Mike McCorsey from the Sporting News at TSN Mike on Twitter. Uh, Oscar Shibway. Player of the Year candidacy. How's that looking right now for you, from your perspective? Well, I, I think that it's interesting because there are there are probably eight or nine players. This is a year uh, in which we have a lot of really significant individual talents uh, having productive years, but none just completely separating from the group. Uh, you have a player like Johnny Davis who has an unbelievable. Uh, November, December, and maybe early January, and then, and then teams start really ganging up on him uh, defensive, defensively, and and his numbers go down a little bit, not just in terms of uh, overall production, but also efficiency. And then you have a guy like Oscar, 
whose numbers were uh, phenomenal, uh, especially in rebounding. And then he goes to Auburn, and, and Auburn was not a good day for him. I'm, it, you know, as someone who watched that game, I, uh, I, you know, I wondered if he would uh, were a first team All American after that game. But then he comes back subsequent to that and starts stacking up great performances again. So I think that it's going to be. I think February is going to be a really decisive month in, in whether there, one player separates. Uh, it, there's a very good chance. I mean, you've got. Uh, our award at Sporting News, you've got Rupp, you've got Wooden, you've got uh, the Oscar Robertson Trophy. I would be stunned if one player claims all of them based on the way this has gone so far. But there's still time for someone like Oscar or Ochai Abaji or, uh, or Johnny Davis or E.J. Liddell or anybody that, that in that group of nine or ten players to separate themselves. Mike also does the brackets for Fox Sports. His newest one will be out a little later today, so follow on Twitter at TSN Mike. Let me ask you about another team in state. Uh, Murray State won again last night. They're 21-2. and They're like 21st, I think, in the net. Um, could they be? Could they get an at-large bid out of the OVC if they don't win the tournament? Yes, they can. Good and honestly, if they continue, remember there are, there are other quality teams in that league, Belmont, uh, is a, is a very strong team that I was considering for an at large until they dropped a couple of games. Um, Moorhead is very good, at having a great year. So I think that if they continue to play the way they have and dominate the league at the level that they have, and then were to have a problem uh, in their conference tournament, preferably when usually when you're talking about a league like the OVC, if you're going to lose. Better lose late. Uh, you yes. don't want to. I remember Butler when they were when Butler was in the Horizon League, and before they really became the brand that they became. Uh, in 2002, I believe it was. They had a fabulous team. They went 25 and five, and they went into their conference tournament, lost in the quarterfinals to, to the eighth place team in their league, and the committee just couldn't do it. I, I I still would have, but they they wouldn't, and so that team, which was truly great uh, didn't get to go in 2002 so you don't if you're if you're if you're murray state you know you want to lose that last game if you're going to lose it all but i i think if they do that they'll have a very strong case back to kentucky and bama tomorrow bama's very good at, at home they've lost i think two games by a total of six points at home one in each of the last two years the one this year was to auburn um so they are very tough to beat there um, so that would make, I would think, a strong statement if Kentucky could do that. Um, what chance do you give Kentucky to pull it out? Oh, I, I give them a very good chance. I, I think the first thing that they need to do, this is, this is, you know, you talked about Oscar as a player of the year. This is where he has to, he has to make his statement, this kind of game, where uh, Alabama is not high level on the inside. So this, there's, a, there's a clear personnel advantage for him, and he has to make that, the difference in the game. He can't help that much with, uh, with stopping Alabama's three-point game, but he can dominate the inside. He, he has the opportunity. He has the ability. Uh, that's, that's a huge thing for him. And, and, if, and if Alabama is overly concerned with him doing that, then he's got to be a facilitator and make sure that the guys around him uh, get good shots because Alabama is overweighting him. And and that will be noticed. It, if he puts up four or five assists, that's not going to go unnoticed. If he kicks it out to 
to, to Kellen Grady and Kellen Grady sticks a big three, people will see that. So he has to be a dominant force in this game, not just in terms of grabbing every available rebound, but really being a difference maker against a team that doesn't have a great counter for him. Mike, of course, he joins us on Fridays here on the Leach Report. You can uh, see him on Big Ten Network, read him at sportingnews.com, see his brackets and uh, Fox Sports college basketball coverage. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Tom. And again, new bracket will be out a little later this afternoon for Mike, so follow at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll come back and close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. The Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. You stop in to fuel up today, fuel yourself up, and some fried chicken, take it home for lunch or dinner. Or they have great chicken salad and ham salad, uh, homemade, that's ready to take home too at Clark's. We'll be right back. This day in Wildcat history, Kentucky ran number one Florida out of the building in 2003. 70-55 is game we talked about uh, earlier this week with Mark Story and trying to find a comparison to what Kentucky did to Kansas last weekend. And that one, of course, was on the road where this win over Florida was in Rupp Arena. Happy birthday, Malik Monk of the Lakers. And tomorrow, Ramel Bradley celebrates a birthday. Congrats to Champ Kelly, former Kentucky football player, now the assistant GM for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Champ's been with the Bears for uh, several years, so wish him well. Hopefully one day soon he will be a GM in the league. Um, condolences to the family of Dan Leal. Uh, saw a note from Oscar Combs on Twitter that uh, Dan passed last Saturday shortly after watching the Kentucky-Kansas game. Uh, Dan uh, was on Coach Kersey's staff in the 70s and some of those great Kentucky teams, and then had a long run with the U.K. Uh, radio network and TV network in sales. Good guy and a uh, big Wildcat fan, so uh, condolences to Dan's family. Uh, road to the Kentucky Derby starting to heat up a little bit. Tomorrow at Gulfstream Park, they'll run the Grade 3 Holy Bull Stakes, and simplifications one to keep an eye on in there. Go back and watch his last race on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, even more impressive than it looks on paper in the racing form. And think he could be the controlling speed in there in the Holy Bull tomorrow to defeat some more accomplished rivals that he'll be running against. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, we'll be back Monday to talk about Kentucky-Bama here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com.